Can you hear that? Not the chirping, that's not the bird we're listening for. There's another sound, quieter. A kind of honking? That's Threskionis maluca, more commonly the Australian white ibis. The bin chicken. I spoke to a few people about their opinions on the bird. What's your favourite animal in Sydney? The Australian native. You know, I think they're a misunderstood creature. They're elegant, aren't they? Yeah. Would you use the word elegant? I, I wouldn't probably yeah, would say majestic. elegant. Okay. Majestic. However, they've probably got a bad rap uh, nowadays. But uh, you know, play on, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. This one here is staring at us. He's so beelining for her food. <laughs> you know, it's good we don't have to hire as many people to clean up the streets when we've got people who can clean the bins out for free. I think we can save a bit on, uh, you know, council costs there. It'll be pretty good, but... Yeah. Yeah, we should just hire ibis. We should put a bit of ibis on them, though, so we can see them. <laughs> the Australian white ibis is everywhere in Sydney, scavenging in bins, nesting in palm trees, strutting about parks. That wasn't always the case. The birds have only been breeding here since the 70s, and their traditional habitat is in wetlands to the west, throughout inland river systems. But their presence in these wetlands is declining as urban populations grow and grow. Dr John Martin is an ecologist at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Sydney, and he runs the park's wing tags project, tracking cockatoos, bush turkeys and Australian white ibis. He says the ibis is quite happy to make Sydney its home. We've changed our behaviour. Humans have dramatically changed how we behave in, in the landscape and a number of different species have changed their behaviour to work, so to speak, with us and survive in this landscape. Uh, of course, there's a bunch of species that don't adapt and so we don't see them often in the urban environment. The, uh, the infamous bin chicken is one of the adapters. The ibis is ideally adapted to feeding in wetlands, says Dr Martin. So you look at their long legs and you look at their long neck and, and bald head and, and long curved bill. These are all designed for wading in water and probing into the mud and probing into the soil when it's rained and there's long grass or, or vegetation. And they would normally eat a whole heap of things like worms and larvae and they eat a fish if they can catch it, a frog, a, a snake. So there's a bunch of things that they um, would naturally have eaten. But they find themselves equally at home rifling through bins. Bread, noodles, rice, you know, kebabs. These are not typical food items. So they've, they've adapted. They've totally changed their, uh, their tolerance of their, how, their proximity to people. Their nesting habits have changed as well. Date palms turn out to be the perfect home for an ibis. This, again, is new behaviour. The ibis never, in thousands and thousands and thousands of years, have nested in those palm trees. It's a recent adaptation in the last few decades, and that's why we see them dotted through the suburbs of Sydney, enjoying the palm trees that were planted 50, 60 years ago. Professor Dieter Hoculi from the University of Sydney's School of Life and Sciences says animals like the ibis persist in cities where others don't because of their tolerance for change. We always think of cities as being a really hostile place for nature to persist and survive. So one of the things that we, we often have started with is how degraded things are, but there's a really fascinating group of stories about the animals and plants that actually do make a living here. Um, generally, it tends to be things that are good at coping with disturbance. 
so they're, they're animals that are often associated with what you might call weedy or, or pest characteristics. But there's also a whole lot of animals that just seem to be oblivious to the stuff that's going on around them, just through partly a, um, a bit of fate, really. Um, being able to, as long as there's somewhere to live and something to eat and someone to mate with, these animals seem to be able to persist regardless of the people, the traffic, the lack of obviously nice habitat. A common explanation for the ibises presence in our cities is that their wetland habitat is so degraded that we've forced them to move to the cities and live on our rubbish. That's not necessarily wrong. Drought throughout New South Wales means food isn't as abundant as it was in the wetlands. But the natural cycles Australian wetlands go through mean moving to the city is an obvious choice. If we look at the Sydney region, we look at the urban environment, we have consistent food and we have consistent water. Why would you leave? This is John Martin again. Look at their natural habitat. It's a boom-bust cycle. If, if you've learnt some bits about Australian ecology, you know we have our droughts and then we have our floods. And that's the system that they have evolved with and they would, uh, they would exploit the floods and then in between the floods they have to go find somewhere else. Uh, what they have found is paradise because humans have created the fast food world which ibis can benefit from. Urban wildlife in Sydney is made up of more than the white ibis, with animals like brush-tailed possums, lorikeets and powerful owls calling parts of the city their home. They're all helped by the fact that Sydney as a city is unusually green. The second national park ever created was the Royal National Park in the Sutherland Shire, and there are reserves nestled right next to the CBD itself. If you've ever taken the ferry from Circular Quay to Manly, you'll notice there's some remarkable national parks on the way in some of the headlands that are there. One of the reasons we've probably got those is that Australians seem to have been scared of foreigners for the last couple of hundred years, so all those places have gun emplacements in them, they're old military land. But naval defence isn't such a concern on the Sydney foreshore now. Once we stop being frightened of the whatever the French, the Russians, the Germans, the Americans, whoever else was coming, the, the, the defence forces have handed a lot of that land back to the, the people. It's, it's handled by the Office of Environment and Heritage, or the National Parks Estate now. There are plenty of animals in Sydney, birds in particular, What's the fascination with ibises? Professor Paul Allertson, Professor of International Studies at the University of Technology, Sydney, has taken an interest in the bird's sudden rise in cultural prominence. It's so recent and it's so massive. Um, It has seemed to come out of nowhere um, in the last, you know, four or five years, I would say so. But it's really really taken off in the last two years. And that's one of the reasons that Andrea and I started talking about ibis, because we were just noticing ibis everywhere beyond just the living birds, um, we were noticing them in culture. Up to the point that, that we're, now, we're now thinking that this is a, a new national icon in, in evolution and it's happening before our eyes. In last year's online Guardian poll on the nation's favourite bird, the ibis surged ahead of the flock before the Australian magpie snatched victory from its beak in the final hours. Professor Allertson says this reflected a cultural preoccupation with the birds and the easiest place to explore this is online. Let's, if you go on YouTube and just do a search for bitten chicken, you'll get a whole lot of um, really fascinating clips. And the ones, some of the ones that really interest me are songs. There's one that is a really anti-Ibis song. The people hate them and they use very foul language to describe, describe the Ibis. And there's another song which is um, a very sweet song about sung by... Um, an all-male group about Ibis being their relative, like their daughter is an Ibis, and it's quite affectionate. 
That second song he mentions is Song for My Daughter Who Is an Ibis by comedy group Songtourage. It is sweet. And I look across at my daughter With her head of black and feathers shining white and brown this fixation on ibises is found on other social media. And then there are Facebook groups um, that have been set up. The first one that came to our attention, I think, was 2015 or 16, which was International Glare at Ibis Day, where the people in that group wanted Sydney ciders to go out into their local parks and Centennial Park and other parks to just spend some time glaring at Ibis as a sign of their displeasure. Ibis have captured the popular imagination before. Prior to the 90s, the Australian white ibis and the Egyptian sacred ibis were considered the same species and had deep roots in Egyptian mythology. A lot of the early discussions around ibis really related them back to ancient Egypt, where there was a god, Toth, who was often represented with an ibis head, and ibis were really interesting. That was a really interesting god because the ibis-headed God was sort of in charge of things like writing and mathematics and calendars, and so it was very important God for them. And millions of ibis were mummified. They even had, had their own city where they would breed ibis, um, and they were revered. Dr Martin is keen to emphasise that it is the Australian white ibis, but that shouldn't diminish our pride in it. The Australian white ibis uh, is a native species. Uh, it's something I reiterate to everyone, even though it's in the name, lots of people who I've spoken with over the years, don't acknowledge that it's an Australian species. There's this conception, there's this idea uh, that it was the African sacred ibis. So it's not that, it's the bin chicken and it's ours and we love it. When I was speaking to both Professor Hoculi and Dr Martin, they brought up another bird that's less well known in the urban landscape. But this bird may soon be coming out of the bushes. I'm calling the brush turkey the ibis of the future. So I've been saying to people, the turkey tsunami is coming. It's already, it's already swept through the northern suburbs and beaches from Hornsby to North Sydney, and it's about to launch south of the harbour and take out Sydney City down to Sutherland. The city of Sydney is here now, and here to stay. But so are these animals. You know, nature finds a way, or some parts of nature can find a way. There's no doubt that cities have been quite dramatic for the persistence of a whole lot of species but a whole bunch of them seem to be going oh okay that looks you know it's made things a bit different but i can still live there and they'll, they'll manage to persist <laughs>